Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. start a new worship series called I Love to Tell the Story, right? But not just any old story and not just the same story all through May. We're going to have opportunities to look at different stories because God invites us and in some cases is asking us to make sure that we are telling some different stories. There are a lot of stories in the Holy Bible, not just the one story, although it is truly a magnificent work of genius that God has been able to weave all these different stories together that bring us to this point, as the Apostle Paul points out, of knowing, experiencing, and now worshiping Jesus Christ. So all of these stories, just like all of us, have a place in the larger narrative. And so you have to learn to tell stories. At my last church, there was an incredible couple who had come over as young adults from Belfast, Ireland, Desmond and Cambry. And not only did you want to listen to them, because who doesn't want to listen to an Irish brogue, but Cambry was a storyteller. She was a professional storyteller. People would actually hire Cambry to come and tell stories at their events. And when she would sign up to do children's time at my last church, all of us wanted to listen to Cambry. Everybody wanted to hear what Cambry had to say. And she would tell these stories in such a warm and embracing way that you felt like you were right down with the kids, just immersed in this. And she had all of this folklore and all of this vastness, and you thought she was talking about fairies, and then all of a sudden it swings back around to the Virgin Mary, and you were like, how did we get here? This is incredible. And so Cambry is always like one of the high benchmarks for me of how to tell a story. She could get your attention and keep it. And part of that is that she was able to use her experience in the story. If the story called for an emotion, Cambry dug down inside and found the emotion and brought it out into the story. She wasn't just a flat storyteller, right? Have you ever had one of those experiences with someone telling you a story where it's like this the whole time and you're like, I hope this ends soon. This is really, really special. Or you had the one where you wanted to get into the story, and then all of a sudden it's like, ball drop. Like, that's it? That's the story? I thought we were going somewhere. Or maybe you've had this one. Telling a story, telling a story, telling a story. Are we done yet? Telling a story. It's really exciting, but it's really long. And we're done. Oh, no, we're not. Hi. (laughs) Still going. Still going. We don't want to be that kind of storyteller. We have to figure out how to tell the story. And the story that we're starting with is the same one that Paul, incredibly, is able to tell in his opening to his letter. This is a salutation. It's his greeting. And he's able to identify himself and tell the story. 
Paul is a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. That's the good news. Set apart to tell the good news. You don't get good news and stick it in your pocket or hide it in a closet. You tell people the good news. And so he has figured out how to do this. And he's like, what good news is this? It's the same one that God promised through the prophets. It's the same one that we have in the Old Testament. It's the same one that is the gospel about the coming of the Son of God. And we know who that is. That is our Jesus the Christ. And goes on to talk about the resurrection of the dead. Goes on to talk about how we have received grace. God has given us grace. And now we have the ability to be obedient to our faith because of that grace. And all of this says that God did this for the sake of God's name. Did this so that when you thought, uttered, heard the name of God, you would think about God's grace and how it has been given to you. That's a wonderful way of encapsulating this. And then to, to end this first part, this is a very long letter for Paul, but to end the first part, Paul says, and to all of God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, this news includes what you are called to do, you are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God. All right, able to put all of that together. Most of us couldn't finish something that brilliant in a lifetime. I mean, that's pretty good. It's so good that it's in the Bible. That's how good that is, right? It's really, really good. But here's the great news, right? That's the good news. Here's the great news. You're not called to write that. That's not your testimony. That's not your story. That's Paul's. Paul wrote that. And here's the irony. Paul wrote it. It's in the Bible. The Bible's been around for quite a while now. If you want one, we can get you one. You can certainly get a Bible. But most people look at that and go, this is too much. This is so much. That's a lot. So many things going on here. Um, can you give me the cliff notes? Can you sum it up for me? We are in a world now where people talk about a tweetable gospel. Right? Use a little social media on you. It's limited to a certain number of characters. You only have so many. And so you have to figure out how to be concise. How are you succinct in what you're going to say? Because people seem to be getting a shorter and shorter attention span. And so you have to even be better at what you're trying to say. Gone were the days where people would gather on the side of a mountain and listen to Jesus pontificate for hours and hours and hours. If I keep going, by 1230, y'all are like, uh-uh, no, no. It's not happening, right? We recognize that we have many things competing for our attention. Some of us are just not going to be able to focus on that much information for that long. Some of us don't feel like talking to you about that much information for this long. And so we're all trying to figure out how to tell the story. And what is the story? That's the hard part, right? What story to tell? If you've ever been at a dinner or you've been gathered around with a bunch of people, stories start happening, right? Oh my gosh, tell them the story of when we went here, right? Tell them this story. And then you start telling stories, and this story leads to another story, and then that person remembers their story, and suddenly there's this wonderful interweaving of stories. My siblings in Christ, I introduce to you the Bible. It's a wonderful interweaving of stories. Now, some of these stories are salacious. Some of them are a little shocking. Some of them seem rather benign, but then you get a little further and you understand, wow, these are impactful stories. 
And most of us go, you know what, I'm so glad I don't have to worry about whether my story will make the cut in the canon, right? At some point, God said, you know what, this is getting a little long. We're going to cut the canon. We'll stop right here. But that doesn't mean that God stopped commissioning the stories. The stories continue to be commissioned. You now have stories that are extra canonical. They're not in the Bible, but they're not unimportant. You have them in those hymnals that are sitting in the pews. You can find them in books that people write, and not just books about faith. You can find them in books about autobiographies and biographies. You can find them in books, works of fish, fish, fishing, fiction. Can you tell I was just in the Caribbean? Fishing. Books of fiction that are empower certain gifted, creative people to use what doesn't seem like a story about Jesus to tell a story about Jesus. Quite a while ago, we had that incredible opportunity to explore the works of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis and discover exactly how a Christian could embed Christian understandings and images and metaphors in a book and then give it not only to children of one generation, but to many generations and be so good about it that people didn't always recognize what they were reading. A good story is a few things. A good story is engaging. You don't want to hear a boring story, do you? Probably not. Or let's put it this way, you don't hear, want to hear it more than once. It's going to be engaging. It's going to be authentic. It's going to be real. It's not going to be a fake story. Have you ever been watching a TV show or a movie with somebody and they're like, that is so not true. That's not reality. Don't watch a medical drama with my mother, a retired registered nurse. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't watch any wedding or funeral scene in a movie with me. Don't do it. Because I'm like, she's not even on the right side of the aisle. Who consulted on this film? I know. You don't want to do that. You want something that's authentic. You want something that rings true on some level. That's what you want. You don't want to hear something that's grandiose and fake. You want some reality. And so you have to figure out how is something authentic and yet engaging. How do you do that? We're already starting to get really difficult here, right? And so one of the things that we tr struggle with in the church is how to tell your testimony. How do you tell that? We're all not going to tell our testimony the same way. If you've ever heard more than one call story from different clergy, you know we all don't tell our stories the same way. We all don't have the same story, first of all. You're not going to get the same story. I can't believe that my senior pastor can tell you a story about that, that went somewhere about like, well, you know, I used to wear flats, but then one day I was like, I wanted some crosses on my heels, and so he got platforms. I don't think he's going to tell you that story. I'm pretty sure that's my story. And if it's his story, he and I are going to have a conversation later. Right? That's my story. But you're looking for a story that you can understand, comprehend, and appreciate. That's what you want. And that's what God has been trying to give the whole world, trying to give it. And so the wonderful thing about humanity is that some of you will not like my story. Some of you will be like, hey, it's a little bit much. But somebody else will have a story that really hits home. Someone else is going to tell you a story and you go, I could almost see myself in that story. It comes so close. It's like they're talking to me. And that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to get you to tell your story. Now, don't worry. If you don't like talking in public, you don't always have to tell the story with words out loud to a group of people. But you have to figure out how to tell the story. And this is something that the church has not always been really good about. 
Sometimes the church historically has thought, well, we'll just train certain people to tell the story, and the rest of you will get it through osmosis. That isn't working very well. It's only taken us, you know, like 1,500 years to figure out that that's not working very well. We've got to figure out a new way to empower everyone to tell their story. And this is not easy. I mean, I have a master's in divinity, and I'm trying to, like, help my 12-year-old learn how to tell the story. And so we started having conversations about that. Well, how would you tell somebody who we are? How do you tell somebody that? How do you tell them that we're Christians and what Jesus means to us? Because not everybody understands what Jesus means, or people have different understandings of who Jesus is and what the purpose of the coming of Christ is for the people of the world. And so you have to figure out how to tell it. And I'm trying to encourage him to tell the story in such a way that it is engaging. It is authentic. It is something that people tell me more. Tell me more about that. And so what you have to do is you have to come up with things that Jesus is actively doing. Nobody wants to hear a story about a Judean Jew who lived over in the Middle East almost 2,000 years ago that didn't speak English and that has no idea how to use a cell phone, right? They, they want something that feels real, but here's the glory of it. We are now in 2022, and Jesus is still doing things that are absolutely, insanely glorious, irrationally magnificent. Jesus is still doing those things. What kinds of things is Jesus doing? Jesus grants power. Grants power. Now, if you've ever found yourself disempowered, then that's a very appealing thing to you, right? You mean I have power? If you've ever had to answer to somebody else or you can't make decisions for yourself or, God forbid, you start to feel the, the disempowerment that can come from financial struggles or the disempowerment that comes from your body and your mind and your spirit not being fully healthy, if you understand that level of disempowerment, then you know that power is important. That's why in the book of Genesis, right after the creation of the first man and the second creation story, God gives power. Here's your job, and you get to oversee this. And that's power. That's important. When my child was growing up, I used to try to kind of box in the choices, right? Kind of limit the choices. Not, here's your closet, assemble a uniform. Not like that. He was three. But instead, I would try to hold up, here's a complete outfit, and here's a complete outfit. Which one do you want? Neither. Okay, that's not option. That's not option neither. This one or this one? I want that shirt with those pants. No, that is not what we're doing. Okay, one more time. This one or this one? Right? Now I don't even do this anymore. Now I'm just like, cover your bits and pieces and get to the bus stop on time. That's all we're, we're at that point. However you want to project yourself out into the world, you go for it. Just be covered appropriately, and I will see you when you get home from school. We're at that point in our life. But he has discovered the power of controlling his image, and he likes it. I'm going to do this, right? This is how I want to dress today. It's like, that's great. He loves the power of that. Having the power and the ability to live out your will is very attractive to people very attractive. So Jesus is granting power. 
In the Wesleyan tradition, uh, we are what we call Arminians. We believe in free will. We're not predestinationalists. We don't believe that before you were born that God had already decided whether or not you were saved or condemned. We believe that God gives you the power to decide whether or not you want to believe and follow Jesus Christ or you want to follow somebody else or nobody at all or yourself. We believe that you have that power. That's free will. That is power. Jesus gives you that power. You'll notice later on in the liturgy, Jesus says, do this as often as you will. Not do this as often as I tell you to do it. Do it as often as you will. You want to do it? Do it. You don't? Don't. Jesus empowers you to decide. And that's really important in a world where sometimes you find yourself completely out of control. You don't have any control over what's happening to you. You didn't choose for your body to get cancer. You didn't choose to live in a world going through a global pandemic. You didn't choose to lose your job due to a shift in your corporation. You didn't choose those things. Those things happened. And when you're disempowered, the fact that God Almighty in the person of Jesus Christ is powering you to do what you want is really exciting. It's intriguing. Granting power. How interesting is that? But that's not where Jesus stops. Jesus doesn't just give you power and set you free. Jesus grants you power and then decides to give you grace. Gift you grace. Who doesn't want a gift, right? Who doesn't want a gift? I have a gift for you. No. Who's going to say that? I have yet to have children's time where I'm like, I have a gift. Do you want it? And they're like, no. What is it? Can I have it now? What, where is it? Can I see it? They want the gift, right? You want the gift. I mean, you get older and you're like, there are some gifts that I'm just not interested in. We call that re-gifting, right? <laughs> but you still like the, the opportunity to maybe get a gift that you liked. Then you're like, here, I'm going to gift this to you, poor unfortunate person. Hope you like it better. But gifting, we understand that. We like to be given things. And we don't believe that God gives us power to then shove grace down our throats. That's part of the freedom that comes with the power. You have a choice. Every day, grace is like this. I have it here. Would you like it today? No, not today. I'm feeling really empowered today. I think I'll go out and do my own thing for a little while, God. God says, okay, I'll be here tomorrow. Tomorrow you get up, God says, I have this here for you. Would you like it? And you say, yeah, you know, yesterday didn't go as well as I thought it would. Today I might want this. But the more that we get deeper into our maturity as Christians, that's not necessarily tied to our vintageness in age, but the more that we get more mature, what we discover is that you wake up one morning and you're like, God, I want this grace now because I know what's coming today. I want it now because I know. I know that today is going to be hard. I know that tomorrow I'm going to have a struggle coming, and I want to be undergirded today with your grace. I want your grace even before I know I'm going to need it. And so in the granting of the power, in the gifting of the grace, Jesus is already doing some really exciting things. This is grace. Do you want it? Notice that you come up here for communion, and we give it to you. I'm not allowed to let you take off the bread off of there. I'm supposed to give it to you. <laughs> it's a gift. And then we 
give you the cup to dip your piece in. This is the blood of Christ given for you. Not, this is Jesus' blood, take it. The whole other theology. Jesus is gifting you grace. Gifting it to you in the sacraments, gifting it to you through the cross. But here's the best part. Jesus is loving us unconditionally. Unconditional love. That's not easy to find in humankind. Unconditional love. Right? Even when you want to love another human being unconditionally, they do things. They say things. They don't do things. They don't say things. They do things wrong when they try to do things right. They do things wrong because they want to do them wrong. And unconditional love gets really hard. Now multiply that to a number that you can't possibly fathom for every human being that has ever existed. That is God. Willing to love us unconditionally. And I'm at a point in my ministry where every time I meet a couple and they've been married for 50 years or more, I love that. 50 years, you've lived 50 years with each other. Tell me about that. And none of them, not one, has ever been like, it was all a picnic. It was so easy, let me tell you. Just get married and it's all skating. No. No, you meet somebody who has celebrated their golden anniversary and it'll generally go something like this. It wasn't always easy. In fact, sometimes it was really hard. There were some hard times there. How did you get through that? How did you make it through those hard times to hear? I'll say, it's the love. You go back to the love. You try to rekindle. You try to stay a hold of and immersed in that love, the love that was so overwhelming, all-powering, that you wanted to yoke yourselves together for as long as you both shall live or until death do you part, depending on the liturgy you chose. And that's what you said. And we live in a world where that's getting harder and harder to see. And so when you find somebody that has triumphed over all of that adversity, it's really incredible. It's really amazing to discover that there are people who have managed to triumph over annoying each other, breaking each other's hearts, doing things that cause incredible amounts of friction and suffering in a relationship, a household, a family, whatever you will have there. The fact that you've got people that have said, you know what? We're going to figure this out. <laughs> We're going to figure it out. In a world where you don't have to figure it out. Are you still in a good relationship with everyone that you have ever met? But God is working on that with us every single day. Loving us unconditionally. Not loving us if you have more days in church than you have out of church. Not loving you because, you know what, you can completely articulate the theology of what's going on here. Not loving you because you give just the right amount to the church. Not loving you because you tell however many people, X number of people, about Jesus and they convert and become Christians. That is conditional. And that is not who God is. You can literally mess up every single day of your life. And God will still love you. Now that is a patient God. 
that will love us every day. And you know what really gets harder in a relationship? When you're in a good place because you've overcome the bad place, and all of a sudden you're like, how do we get back here? We were over there. It makes going back here that much worse, doesn't it? This is the story of our God. I love you. I'm forgiving you. Take the grace. Yeah, this is nice. This is good. I like it over here. Ooh, sin. God's like, all right, let's try it again. I'm loving you. I'm forgiving you. Let's try it again. So when you say to somebody, and then I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus Christ, and they're like, why? Why would you believe in Jesus Christ? Why would you do this? And you say, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus grants power. Jesus gifts grace. Jesus loves unconditionally. Jesus is the eternal trifecta. All three of those wonderful things, all the time. Whenever you need them, whenever you want them, they are yours. That's a God worth knowing. That's a God worth serving. That's a God worth loving. And that's the story. And you're welcome to use that if that resonates for you. Right? Granting power, gifting grace, loving unconditionally. If that works for you, take it. It's not mine. I got it from there. You're welcome to take it. But because of the Holy Spirit, some of you have already made that better. Some of you are like, this, I think this would be a better word. Or maybe we could talk about it this way. Or maybe we should change the order. Some of you are already working on it. And that is the point. We don't all have to say it the exact same way. Because no matter how far out we go or which direction we spread in or where we go in a vertical and horizontal line, no matter where we go, we all come back here. Let's all meet back at the cross and tell our story. Where have you been? Who did you meet? What did you see? What experience with God did you have? That's what we're looking for. That's what the world is looking for. Tell me about your God. Tell me about your God. Because there's been a lot of people that have not told good things about our God. There are a lot of people that have gone out there and been like, I'm a Christian and I hate you. Love's unconditionally. So the way that you give your testimony or you testify about who Jesus is is really important. You can't be like, I hate you, but Jesus loves you. In fact, there are shirts that say even worse than that. Jesus loves you. We all think you're a jerk. That is a testimony of how some people have failed to tell the story. And the hymn that we sang with Deb says very clearly to us, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. Because nothing else in this world is going to grant you power, gift you grace, and love you unconditionally like Jesus Christ. Nothing. No one. Just God. And then maybe one day our refrain will be, I love to tell the story. It will be my theme in glory. 
to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. That unconditional love. You have been granted power to tell your story. You have been gifted grace to keep working at it and perfecting it and making sure that it is authentic and engaging. You've got enough grace to do that. If you want to try, you have the grace. And why do we do it? Unconditional love. When you love somebody and you feel loved by them, don't you feel like you have to tell? You got to tell people. Let me tell you about my best friend. Let me tell you about my spouse. Let me tell you about my baby. Let me tell you about my cousin. Let me tell you about this person and how amazing they are. God just wants us to share a little bit of that love. For God has done everything. And in a moment, we're going to have the opportunity, if you choose, because you have been granted power, to receive some of that grace. And I wish everybody would. I mean, I clearly think that this is important or I wouldn't have bothered getting ordained. It's a very important thing. But what I really love about it is that, like, something happens. Have you ever had communion and something happened and you were like, whoa, I didn't expect that? One of the dads today was trying to tell his son, it's not a keto snack. It's not. Kid's like, can I get more? Can I get seconds? I'm like, yeah, you can get seconds. And dad's like, it's not a keto snack. No, it's not. It's not a keto snack. But at that same worship service, a father, different father, was assisting me, holding the chalice as I serve the bread. And his family came up and his daughter came up and she went, hi, dad. And she came over and she got her cup. She went back to her seat. And I found myself going, Lord, when will be the day that all of your children on earth will come to your table with such joy at seeing you? Will come here and be excited to encounter you and to tell you and anyone else who's within earshot, hi, I love you. That's Lee's story today. It's a good story. And you should have seen it. It was beautiful. But I don't have to worry because you have seen incredible things. You are incredible things. And you are going to say and do incredible things. And your job is not just to go out and bless. Your job is to figure out how to tell that story. Tell that story. Because if we don't, people won't realize that they too have been granted power, gifted grace, and are loved unconditionally. May that be our charge and our joy in the days to come. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one now and forever. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.